You think the Waltons pull that kind of shit? <laughs> <laughs> All this kind of stuff that now are just part of our no, part of our vernacular. Not the Waltons. Not the Waltons. Not the Waltons. Not the Waltons. Or just like how often have the three of us when we were planning our little house or talking about it, we would just go, clown rape. <laughs> Hello world, there's a song that we're singing Come on, get happy Welcome to this bonus episode of the Pop Culture Preservation Society. If you listened to our episode on Little House on the Prairie, you know that we discovered a hilarious, creative, and legitimately award-winning short series about Little House called Living on a Prairie. The creator of that series, Pamela Bob, is an award-winning Broadway and TV actress, producer, writer, and now someone we are thrilled to call our friend. Pamela was generous enough to take the time to sit down and chat with us about living on a prairie and our shared love of Little House. Needless to say, we talked for hours and included here are some of the best parts of that conversation. We hope you'll enjoy it as much as we did. Welcome, Pamela. We are so excited to have you here today and to be talking to you. Um, I think it was about a month ago that I discovered Living on a Prairie as we were preparing for our Little House on the Prairie episode that we were going to be recording. And I was doing research and Googling. And I mean, the name itself is so clever and fun. I thought this has got to be something fun to look at. So went to the website, watched the series, and it was probably, as usual, like 1230 at night or something. And I'm immediately like wanting to text these guys and say, you guys have got to watch it. And finally, the next day I did. They loved it. We've told our family and friends about it. And now we want to share it with our listeners. And so um, that's why we would love to talk to you and get um, a little uh, background on how you came up with the idea and actually what the series is about. It's about Pamela, who's a socially anxious uh late 30s, early 40s lady in the big city who escapes to her little house on the prairie fantasy world as a coping mechanism. <laughs> um, and ultimately the show is, and I say this to people that, that you do not have to know Little House on the Prairie to understand or relate or go on the journey of this character in the show. Um, because really at the core of it, it's about, uh, not getting from your real life what you seem to be getting from your fantasy life and the repercussions of that. And, you know, Little House on the Prairie could be interchanged with Star Wars or mm -hmm. Game of Thrones, any sort of cult classic show, um, because it's, it's about escapism. And, but the thing about Little House is that it's, it's uncool. <laughs> you know so there is such a thing as the prairie closet which most people live in because it's not cool to go around saying I'm the biggest fan of Little House on the Prairie and even during the time of the series or the original series I think it was considered the uncoolest show on tv as well and it gets a bad rap for those who don't who haven't never watched it or those who have watched it but don't want to admit it. <laughs> so there's something to doing this series about this woman who part of her isolationism is 
having this particular love for this thing that is not considered too hip or popular or at all in the mainstream. But what's been so cool (laughs) is that if I say I love Little House on the Prairie, it's like people are relieved to hear it and they come out of the closet big time. Like, oh my God, me too. I I mean, listen, I grew up with people my entire life, never knowing that they also watched Little House on the Prairie. Oh, that's so sad. Until we were adults. And I sort of admitted it. And they were like, oh my God, I watched it every single day. I was obsessed. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So there's something particular about this show that um, strikes a very particular chord for people for many different reasons. How did you actually come up with the idea to do it? Um, I had been doing years and years of theater work and in New York, and um, and I quite frankly got a bit burnt out. <laughs> um, and I also knew that there was more to me and more to my career that I was aspiring to and knew that I belonged. And um, I, I didn't quite know what that was or how I was going to get there. But one night I was putting my son to sleep and we were snuggling in bed together. And you know, when you're in that, uh, you're not totally asleep, but you're not awake and you're in that really lucid dream place. Well, the Pictionary episode popped into my head. And the Pictionary episode popped in my head because it was actually a true story. Uh, that actually happened to me with Santa. The, the, the episode is I'm at a Pictionary party and the word I get is sandstorm. And instead of drawing sand and storm, I draw a very lavish, intricate picture of a woman in a bonnet <laughs> and a skirt with women swirling around her and her bracing herself. Because Little House on the Prairie in real life had snuck so deeply into my consciousness, into my subconsciousness, um, that when I heard the word sandstorm, of course, that is the only thing (laughs) that I had was that episode. And so I drew this thing that of course no one guessed that it was sandstorm. and, And I was furious that no one got it. I mean, I thought it was the most obvious thing in the world. Sandstorm. Sandstorm. Come on, guys, this is the classic. I know you've seen it before. <laughs> Katie, Katie, I know you've seen this episode before because we watch The Lost on the Prairie every morning in my dorm room freshman year. So, <laughs> so, so Mary and Adam are supposed to get married, but Mary freaks out because they're both blind and she's like, how am I going to deal with that? Am I right? <laughs> so, so. And then there's a sandstorm. So that memory popped into my head, but with it was the idea of, oh, that's a scene, that's a story. And I, not to get too woo-woo on you, but I felt an electrical bolt Mm -hmm. go through my entire body where I literally sat up in bed. And I said to myself, I've got to do this. I don't know why I know I have to do this but I have to create this. I don't know how I'm gonna do it and I don't care, I'm just doing it. 
And originally, I was just going to get my iPhone with a couple friends and film a couple funny, real-life, Little House on the Prairie scenarios that I had been through in my life. You know, um, the Pictionary episode, for sure. Um, that the, Mary, who plays my best friend in the series, is actually my friend Mary, and she's also a huge bonnet head. So the two of us would literally, just on a normal basis, get together and talk about characters and scenarios as if they were real, <laughs> as if we knew these people, as if they were real people. Um, and so all of these things, I thought, oh, I could piece this together. And originally it was just going to be fun little, cute, not, not non-linear, specifically for Little House on the Prairie fan scenarios. And it quickly developed into not that, but an actual story mm -hmm. of this woman. Um, and even though it's, you know, it's it's six episodes and they're all short form, I I am very proud of the fact that I do think it has an, an arc and a story. Oh, definitely. And, totally, yes. And you're and uh and what's also great about it is that like I said before, you don't have to know Little House in the Prairie uh. at all to be on this ride. Um, because it's not about Little House on the Prairie. But if you are a Little House on the Prairie fan, you're getting all the inside jokes. You're getting the, the nudge, nudge, wink, wink, that I know you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. You get the clown rape reference. You get, you know, you get it on a level that's crazy. And um, so that's, that. literally, that's how mm -hmm. the idea and how it came together was, again, not to get too woo-woo on you, but um, everything came to me. I didn't have to work for a thing. In fact, if someone said to me, how do I start my own series? I would say, I have no idea. Because I had the idea. The second I said the idea, including the title, because the title came to me immediately, as soon as I said the idea out loud, I got a huge response of laughter and yes, yes, yes. And uh, I, I'll, I'll make this quick without going on too long, but I went and saw a show and by myself and I sat down next to a very nice couple and started talking to them. They were asking me, what do you do? Oh, I'm an actor. Oh, we love Broadway. We love shows. Like, what are you working on now? And I said, before I had written anything on paper yet, didn't have a script. Nothing. I said, I'm writing a show about uh, someone who's obsessed with Little House in the Prairie and Alison Armstrong's going to be in it. And he looked at me and he said, that sounds amazing. I'd like to invest in that. No. Oh, no. That's how I got my producer. That's how I got my investor. And, you know, I was also like, <laughs> okay, funny. And lo and behold, he did. He did. I have goosebumps. And for Bonnetheads Anonymous, which is the, the all-male episode, yeah. that opening line, which is... My name is Roy. I'm 6'2". I'm a jock. Played pro ball in the 90s. I'm straight. I'm a man. But I love Little House on the Prairie. That verbatim came out of this man's mouth. <gasps> I feel like clapping. And that was how that episode, he said it, my whole body went bing, and that episode was the inception from that one line. That entire episode was because he said that one thing to me. 
And lo and behold, that night I write Bonnethead Anonymous. <laughs> I'm very validated okay, so right now as if yes. the reason that like you're creating this for a reason. And one of the reasons is me, right? Because there are oh. people out there for whom like you didn't know this, this was crazy, but there were people out there who were going to go, um, yeah. And you don't know that, right? You don't know that when you stick your neck out like that. But here I am, the three of us out here, you know, how many miles away from you? And it's speaking to us, right? Mm -hmm. And you didn't know that at the time. That means so, so much. And just the fact that the series speaks to you at all is also such, such validation for me. The fans have been so incredible and so like over the top supportive. Um, And they, and they get it. They really, really get it. Uh, and and also there are fans that have never seen Little House before, mm-hmm. wow. which to me is almost even better because I know I'm I'm tapping into something that's bigger than that niche. And it thing. speaks to the work also. It means that you produced mm-hmm. something that stands on its own without the cultural reference. Thanks. Yeah, I'm re- I'm really proud of it, uh, Pamela. As writers, uh, we are so impressed with the writing. Um, because it's so clever and the tone is so perfect because while you poke fun at Little House, you don't ever make fun of it. Like you strike a perfect balance between being funny, but not being disrespectful, which is hard to do. So what was that important to you? Diehard bonnet heads might think I'm disrespectful, but I no, but we didn't get it because it's, <laughs> I think it's a really good balance of, because a lot of the stuff and the subject matter in Little House is so outlandish and is so funny as adults now, especially. And maybe when we were kids, it was terrifying, but it's very funny. But that doesn't mean, you know how when someone, um, when you can make fun of your mom, but then when someone else makes fun of your mom, it's like, what? I can make fun of Little House in the Prairie. Don't you? Because there's silliness to it. And we mm-hmm. should, because comedy is relief. And come on, it's not real. It is not real. It is, the, the TV series is not the book. Right. Right. It is a fantasy land. Michael Landon made it that way on purpose. It's fantasy. Yeah. Let's stop taking it so seriously. <laughs> on the other hand, if I hear anyone disrespecting oh. the story, <laughs> no, forget it. Right. Forget it. Right. Because I don't know any other television series that has had the kind of effect that Little House has had on people, especially if you grew up with it from from when you were young, right? right? It seeps into your psyche. Mm -hmm. It seeps into your subconscious. It helps shape you. It helps shape your worldview and the lessons that you learn from it. And um, listen, there is nothing fluffy family friendly about a two-parter clown race. (laughs) Because it is some deep, I'm going to curse, mm-hmm. shit. Episode yeah. four of Living on a Prairie, my favorite one yes. that I will yes. rewatch and rewatch because your rant to the man sitting on the park bench is so <laughs> true. They dealt with some really serious shit on that prairie. Some serious shit. Okay. No, no, no. Not, o- not okay. Not okay. You don't even, because <laughs> racism. Racism. Several episodes on racism. L- like the one where little Will is from different strokes, he runs away from home, and the Ingalls want to adopt him, but they can't because he's black. He's black. So, race relations. 
Oh, and, and what about uh, uh, drug addiction? You like drug addiction? You like drug addiction because apparently morphine was some crazy ass fucked up shit in the 1870s. You know, because, you know, one, Mary's piano teacher who came back from the Civil War and had post-traumatic stress disorder, and two, Albert, Albert, Albert was addicted and then he stole that shit from Dr. Baker and then he went through withdrawal and he vomited all over himself. He vomited. No, you think, you think uh, John Boy ever vomited on himself? I am you in that. I'm like, what are you saying? I was explaining it to my, my I have a 25-year-old and a 19-year-old, and I was watching an episode the other day, and I was saying, you guys, look at this creeper, and then guess what's going to happen? Her friend's going to drown, and then her mom, the friend's mom, is going to think Laura is yes, the daughter, and she's going she's gonna, to she's gonna put her in the cellar, and she's yeah. going to capture her, and she's going to hold look her there. And, and they were like, Yes. And they were looking at me like, what kind of shit? Like, that's awful. But as soon as they sort of looked like distasteful, I was like defending it. I was like, mm -hmm. well, <laughs> back off. she was very upset. And it taught Laura a lesson because <laughs> <laughs> you like switch gears really quick and you start defending it. Right. It feels so personal. And it's because like episodes like that, that is an episode that as a little girl watching it, are you kidding me? Like, that shapes your worldview pretty significantly. I mean, they could have ended with the with the friend drowning. That's terrible enough. Right. But let's just exactly. take it a step further. Let's go. And I was watching on your um, you did one of the cast interviews you did. Uh, well, you did one, and it was like the two part. And I forgot who said it. I think it was Allison, um, saying Allison um, Arngrim, Nelly, Nelly, <laughs> for our listeners. Thank you, Kristen. <laughs> um. I just call, like to call her Allison because now I, know, I know Pamela yeah, now right. and Pamela is friends with her. So now I feel like I'm friends with her. Right. Um, okay. So she said something I thought was really interesting. You asked something about that. And she said, every time they would get kind of a fluffy review where maybe someone was like, mm, little house wasn't getting that great of critical reviews. Michael Landon would get super mad. And then they would all come to the set. Like if they read one of those reviews, they would all be like, Oh crap, who's going to die now? <laughs> because Michael Landon would blow something up or he would, there would be a blizzard there, you know, here comes a bear. Um, because he wanted almost to prove that no, we're a show that can tackle real issues. And like, like you say in episode four of Living on a Prairie, and like we're talking about, <laughs> Little House does a lot of the issues they tackle. While we can kind of laugh about them, they're very real issues for that time. There definitely was racism and drug yeah. problems and whatever. And yes, there were probably women with mental health issues that were holding little girls hostage <laughs> in their cellar. Um, I don't know if there were Harlequin, Harlequin clowns running around um, in barns. Actually, when I first met Allison, I bombarded her with these questions. And clown rape was like the number one question I had. Like, yeah. girl what was clown rape all about like where did that come from and she said very frankly she said you know that like some tv critic was putting the show down for just being fluffy and you know your fam typical like family show and michael landon was like oh i'll show God. you my family yeah because it wasn't just the rape i mean it was the then she gets pregnant i mean it was like, are you kidding me but I have to say also, you know, during this pandemic, in terms of like the, the social issues that they attacked, um, during the Black Lives Matter movement, the peak of it this summer, I mean, Little House on the Prairie was like trending at number yes. one because people were, app there were clips 
specifically from uh, the Wisdom of Solomon mm-hmm. episode. I also mention in episode you do. four. It's racism. <laughs> racism. <laughs> But I love how you say, but you say, you say, Willis from, yeah. from different strokes. Little Willis, little Willis from different strokes. Little Willis from different strokes is a guest star on this episode. And it is brutal in its honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the way that they talk about race is um, shocking to today's audiences. And that clip went banana viral this summer. Um, and, and it it was sweet to see because people who didn't know Little House on the Prairie were like, "What? Little House on the Prairie? They they talk, wait what?" So they didn't know that Little House on the Prairie was actually a very. I think Little House on the Prairie is more serious than it is fluffy, family friendly. Mm-hmm. So that was a nice that was a nice moment for Little House over the summer. And quite frankly, I called twenty twenty the year of the prairie because. People just, um, and, and that also coincided with me releasing the series. Yeah. Um, I sort of couldn't have planned it to be that cohesive if I had tried. But, um, you know, people are, people are finding refuse in turning on the TV and escaping into that prairie world. Because much like the character of Pamela in the series... You know, it offers community, unity, unconditional love, a family, um, responsibility, integrity, all of these things that might uh, people might scoff at as, oh, it's a family show. But, you know, it's also lasted over 45 years And it's now. still in syndication. Yeah. And it's, people still, still it's never been off the air. It's in over 60 countries. Part part of what's amazing too is a lot of the fans that that have joined on to the living on a prairie bandwagon they're from japan they're from australia they're from spain they're from brazil i mean they are all over the world it's astounding and a lot of them are like in their young early 20s i love that new generations of um people that are watching the show now and during this pandemic while people are at home parents and grandparents are now showing it to their little kids for the first time so it keeps going and and the popularity has gotten greater and greater i mean i think it's more popular now than it ever was during the actual run of the show and one of the best compliments i got like one of the best things that happened um in the previous few months with this that, you know, I make fun of it. I make fun of it as much as I revere it. Mm-hmm. And I can make fun of it because I revere it so much. Right. But, you know, let's laugh at Laura's buck right. teeth. Let's laugh at some of the makeup on the show. Let's laugh at some of the bad wigs. Like, <laughs> let's laugh at, you know, how was her leg not healed, you know, miraculously healed when there's no penicillin in the 1800s? <laughs> Well, and that's things. a very that's a very oh. contemporary wrapping, right? You're you're this is nostalgic content, but you're not bathing in the nostalgia. You're elevating no. it and you're wrapping. It's like a modern day delivery system for this nostalgic yeah. content, which makes it um, much more universal, I think, because you're saying, you know what? It's okay for you to like Little House on the Prairie and also think it's really funny. That's where we all live. Right. That's okay. And someone said to me on social media, I'm so happy you're here because now we can laugh at it. 
Yeah. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> That's like my favorite thing to do. Um, and, and since then I've started doing these little house lives Yes, um, where we watch little house and do commentary oh. over it. And I have special guests come on. The latest one was, a. Uh, one of my best friends, who's a, a drag superstar named Anita Buffum, who had never seen Little House on the Prairie before. I had a comedian also, Aaron McGuire, come mm-hmm. on. Hilarious commentary over these episodes. And what's so cool is that they've never seen the show before, which was not intentional on my part. I just happened to invite them to, to co-host this with me. And what happened with uh, Anita Buffum is she watched it she couldn't believe what she was watching and decided she's going to start from the beginning and go through the entire series. So now she is doing, we are doing commentary together and she's doing her own like episode reviews um, on social media now. And that's called Anita on a Prairie. I watched a little (laughs) bit of that one um, and you guys were watching Bunny. And I love, first of all, I love her accent. Her persona is she's a former a showgirl slash JCPenney's <laughs> model. Okay, so I love how right at the beginning, it starts, and one of the first, she's like watching, because, you know, all we can see is just her face. And she's watching, and she's like, What is a beautiful blonde girl? That's Nellie Olson. I love her. Look at her. She's, you You probably think she's very gorgeous. She is gorgeous. Huh? And it's Nellie. And she right away is like, she's blonde. She's like, oh, she's gorgeous. I love she's her. Gorgeous. <laughs> I want a second season because I want to know. I'm not going to spoil it for the listeners who haven't seen it yet. But episode six, the way it ends, it almost ends. I mean, I'll call it a cliffhanger. I, I would will. say it was a cliffhanger too. And so I would really like to know what happens next. Well, you can't tell us because people haven't seen it yet. But you could do season two. Literally in the process of writing the full series right now. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Fingers crossed because uh, it's it's, um, much more developed and we get to know a lot more about Pamela and her story and develop these characters more and and tap into social anxiety and Mm -hmm. uh, how it affects one's life and uh, in conjunction with depression and isolationism. Mm -hmm. And... um, you know, it's sort of, I couldn't have asked for the timing to be more profound for all of this to have happened. You know, it, it does make me think that there is absolute divine timing and things, things work out. Things, things happen for a reason. So keep your fingers crossed. Uh, yes. We're working really hard on it and I'm, I'm kind of loving it. Yes. I just want to comment and these, my co-hosts know how I feel about this. I just... I have coined this word goddipity where it's like, it's more than serendipity. It is like you said, there is this divine intervention. And as we are creators as well, we just know, um, yeah, it just, it comes. And if you're lucky enough as, um, who was it? Kristen in the Bee Gees documentary who was commenting on, you know, there's this wave. And if you're lucky enough to be, if you're a surfer and you're Chris right Martin. there at the right time, yeah, Chris, Chris Martin. Martin, that's right. And he just said, <laughs> If you are lucky enough to be in the right place when that wave comes, it's going to be there. But if you're the one to catch it, 
Um, it's just magic. And I just feel like everything, it was already magical that I found this program and shared it with my friends. And we've had these wonderful moments, but to hear the story behind it, I've just, I've had chills. I really have. It's just amazing. That's so lovely to hear. Yeah. And I, and I will be quite honest that this entire journey from the idea, the inception through this entire process has been nothing short of magical. It really has been. Okay. Okay. We have one last question to ask you, and this is just a quick off the top of your head. Okay. So on our last episode that we recorded the other day, um, we all, we shared our, just our top two favorite episodes that were the most meaningful or the most memorable. So off the top of your head, what two episodes come to mind as being either your favorite or just most memorable? Okay. Top of my head, the most, uh, one of my most favorite, which is also the most traumatizing, which is why I can't really watch it all that often, is the two-parter episode. Um, I believe it's entitled Laura Ingalls Wilder, but it's actually about Eliza Jane. It's when Eliza Jane and her. Yes. The two-parter where we really do a deep dive into Eliza Jane and what her world is is going on in her world and how she sort of self-sacrifices herself for the sake of her brother. And uh, I can't uh, handle it. Like I, uh, if I get through those episodes, I cry for hours afterwards. Like it's not just a, oh, that's sad and move on with my life. It is, it is like curl up in bed, go through some deep psychological um, cleansing because it's not just, the way it was, first of all, she she's such a brilliant actress. The 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 woman who who plays Eliza Jane, uh, Lucy Lee Flippin, mm-hmm. she's she's genius. Um, and all the the layers to that character that are so sad, um, and the way that she masks it uh, is just absolutely devastating. And it's truly devastating. But then to think that Michael Landon wrote this episode about this woman and how he was able to delve into the psyche of this lonely spinster woman is also beyond me. Like, I don't know where he, how he tapped into that so beautifully. And, and it's just so sad. And um, that one just, destroys me. It absolutely destroys me. I also think it's brilliant as a writer that Michael Landon decided that on the episodes where Laura actually gets married, which is what you would think would be the big deal. It's not about that at all. It's about how her getting married affects Eliza Jane and her life, Um, which is also as a writer, just a brilliant, brilliant take on on what you would expect fans to be like oh this is when Laura gets married that's about Laura it's not about Mm -hmm. Laura Mm -hmm. and so I just think that's also pretty genius and for Michael Landon as well thank you thank you thank you you are the coolest girl in the in the room (laughs) we're all gonna wear matching bonnets so you'll notice us and invite us to your slumber party we love you very honored and um, I, I love your podcast. Oh, so um, thank you for having me. I'm so honored You're to be here. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to me, the Crushologist, and Carolyn and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, I guess there's always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded at Modern Well, a woman-centered co-working space in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song.